0: Hello, and welcome to the No Nay Never podcast. I'm this week's guest introducer, Pete Johnson, America's biggest Burnley fan and longtime dedicated listener to the podcast. Now, for this week's
2: show, what do you have coming up for us? Hello, and welcome to the No Nay Never podcast. Pete Johnson, thank you very much for that introduction. I'm your host this week, Natalie Bromley, and I'm being joined by Adam, James, and Kevin. And we also have with us this week special guest John Roberts. John's the second of our Kickstarter backers who selected the reward of joining us live on the podcast as his reward. We're going to introduce John to you shortly, but first a quick mention again about our charity that we've partnered with till the end of the season, Claret & Brew. Last week, Jamie announced that we'd be partnering with a new charity partner, Claret & Brew, which was another part of our Kickstarter plans. Clout & Brew is a member-run drop-in support group for Burnley fans who suffer from mental health problems such as anxiety and depression. It gives men a safe space to talk about any mental health problems that they may have. If you want any further information on Clout & Brew, if you want to support them or just need their help, you can check out their website on www.claritandbrew.org. We're also hoping that a representative from Clout & Brew will be on the podcast in the next few weeks to talk about their work further. However, moving on to this week's podcast. Welcome, very, very welcome to our podcast, John. It's very nice to have you here. It's very
3: nice to be here.
2: Good. Do you want to just introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about yourself?
3: Okay. Um, why does a uh, why did a um a boy growing up in the Somerset Levels in the nineteen seventies support Burnley? It's all down to my brother-in-law, really, because uh, uh, he uh, my sister went to university when I was about two. And uh, he came from uh, Cross Hills. And so I used to get taken there when I was about, taken to Turf Moor when I was about seven and, uh, and saw Leighton James and Martin Dobson and, and all those guys. Only about four games, but it kind of stick, sticks it in your head. And you then go through school being slightly derided uh, down in Dorset by then um, for supporting this rather strange team. And then you drift away. <laughs> you then drift away over the years because actually you, you kind of remember how rubbish it was then. Because you either heard the results at five o'clock after they announced them um, or you saw them in the Sunday papers or you didn't hear anything else for a week because that's the way following football at a distance was like. Sure.
4: Yeah. Um,
3: then uh, Tim Berners-Lee invented the Internet so he could follow, Mac- follow Macclesfield more closely. Um,
1: and Thanks, Tim. Yeah,
3: it was good.
4: Yeah, and uh, right.
3: <laughs> I, I was sitting over in California um, and started following uh, Stan Tennant, bringing us back up. Um, then in, uh, back in the country, saw a few games, Gillingham, things down in the south of England, just, just very casually. But then got into Clarets player when I was abroad in India and in Hong Kong. Used to sit up really late because the time zones are rubbish, especially in Hong Kong for all those um, matches where we were beating teams in the capital. And then since I've been b- been back the last few years, started uh, uh started um getting to games Saw eight last year not so good this year but um I suppose I'm a kind of kind of glory hunter but I've got form <laughs>
2: that's something that you never really hear mentioned about Burnley fans do you Burnley fans being glory hunters yes. I do worry about the new generation of Burnley fans who've only ever seen success at Turf Moor I feel like they need some kind of bedding in for all the pain that we've yes. had over the years um a very quick one John favourite Burnley memory I think it's probably, the, the best game I've been to
3: actually was, was um, Brentford last year, which actually I was thinking about with uh, Tarkovsky, uh, which will be coming up. But um, for me, that first half and the amount of noise, because you've got a concrete lid on top of you, and it yeah. was, you're only about six rows deep as well on the, on the bottom tier. And for me, that and then the following week, was that was Arsenal, and there was no atmosphere at all. So, um,
2: <laughs>
3: But anyway, but I don't know what it was, just Brentford first half. Just great.
2: Oh, that's nice. That's a good memory. I like that memory, though. That's a good one. Um, Okay, well, let's move on to the game. Obviously, Burnley yesterday, a 2-1, sorry, not a 2-1, a 2-0 away win down at Palace. And it's not a result that any of us saw coming, really. I think we were all a little bit doom and gloom and expecting us to get very little out of that game, if anything. But the Clarets, with a very, very much changed side, managed to get that elusive away win. Finally, it's been done. It's taken us nearly the whole season, but we have done it. We have won away, Burnley fans. We have won away. Um, For me, I think the Clarets performed a very strong and very professional and actually a very clinical performance, and it Took us pretty much to the brink of safety. I know um, we're not quite on that magic 40, 40 marker there, but I'm not entirely sure that you need 40 points this season, but but it certainly would be nice to get over there. Um, but I think that's probably us safe now. I think that result was an absolute peach of result and, and takes us well away from that bottom three. Um, John, you were at Sellers Park yesterday. What did you make of the game?
3: Uh, no, no negative, no more. Um, it's... Um it was really good. And I have to say, it was one of the best atmospheres. The sun was out. Um, everybody seemed more relaxed, given the fact, I think, you know, last week's podcast, you all wrote off this game completely. And i got a feeling everybody, yeah, we did. <laughs> everybody approached that. They were just there to watch a football match. And it was, you know, if I compare it to ones I've been earlier in the season away games, people were much more uptight about it. But, you know, the first first few minutes kind of confirmed suspicions. And then, then it just turned. You know, it, it was, you know, the goal triggered it and at that point it just looked like we could have at them and yeah phrase somebody muttered was about the fact Crystal Palace collapsing like a souffle and it was a bit like that but in the first half they they just ended up the whole of their team ended up becoming their new back four because the back four were just standing around looking confused Um, yeah it was a weak back four wasn't it and it really reminded me of championship games somehow we were passing the ball around we were at them (laughs) Boyd and Arfield all over the place looking like Boyd Boyd and Arfield should um, and it, it, yeah, it was, it was very good, and everybody was rocking. It was lovely. More difficult in the second
4: half. Yeah,
1: but. yeah. I don't think, um, I don't think their defenders looked confused. I think they looked terrified. Um, I think <laughs> yes. I, I, I really don't think they coped with the um, with the intensity that we that we we came at them with. Uh, I think our opening goal was a really good indication of that, in that they were hope, they were expecting to have a bit of time uh, time on the ball. And Bar- Ashley Barnes just bursts into them, uh, and then our our whole attack just just bursts forward, and they just could not cope with that at all. And I think the the way that we really came at them with such yes yeah, intensity that's probably the best word for it intensity we're really in their faces.
2: I don't think they were expecting it, were they? I mean, if you look at at some of Burnley's performances away from home this season, not all of them, I would stress. But, you know, positive and and charging forward and being creative is not necessarily a description that you would have put towards Burnley away from home. And I think they probably did their homework and expected us to play a completely different style of football than we actually did. which which brings us kind of nicely on to that team selection. I think the biggest controversy yesterday was the announcement of the team um, and four changes in in Dyche's lineup. Two of them were obviously forced changes. Tarkovsky came in for me, and Westwood came in for Barton to cover their injuries and suspensions. But there were two. I guess the most controversial um substitutions were the, not substitutions, sorry, replacements were the ones that weren't forced and they were Arfield coming in for Brady and Barnes coming in for Grey. So we've got, you know, Brady and Grey on the bench when we all expected and hoped that they would start. Now in his pre-match interview Sean Dyche said that he picked that team to turn draws into wins and I think we were all incredibly critical and Twitter went into a bit of a meltdown again before the game and everyone was fully expecting it to be a very negative nil-nil draw of a game Um, Man do we have some humble pie to to eat this weekend James obviously you you had shared my view as well with this, you were disappointed with the team beforehand, just take me through your reaction now I guess to the reaction to the team before the game and also or how your, I guess, your view has changed since the game?
5: Yeah, quite simply. I, I felt, you know, Dasha part of the side that was there to to get a goalless draw, nothing more. And um, to be honest, even after the fact, I still still feel that the, the team that it had the same intention, uh, you know, even though obviously it wasn't a goalless draw in the end. I feel that was still actually what he looked to do. I think he looked to stifle them a lot. Um, and I think at, at Paris, obviously, we got a goal early and Barnes took it well, even though he, he did sort of, scuff it first time. I'm not sure actually if he would have scored if you did it first time, but I feel like partly that, you know, the way we played was down to palace, maybe not being as good as, as they should have been. Um, you know, I wouldn't say it was entirely that it was a fantastic display by us. It was a good performance, uh, but I wouldn't say it was, you know, excellent, particularly not going forward. I thought, you know, there was long periods of the game where we sort of defaulted to what we've done quite a lot away from home and, you know, invited a bit of pressure. Um, but I think, you know, credit where it's due, I think the substitutions in the second half, you know, rare for for Dash really, I think, in the Premier League were, were spot on. I think, you know, the moment he brought Gray on, at that point we were sort of under the cosh a little bit and I think, you know, Arfield and and Boyd, the legs were starting to show, um, you know, they've done a lot of running all game, which you know, clearly exactly what Dash was looking for from them when he put the line up as it was. Um, and, you know, we brought Gray on, I, th- I think, looking to stretch Palace a little bit while they were pushing on. And, you know, you look at his goal and that's exactly what he did. He stretched them and, and scored.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite, it's obviously, some quite interesting points in there. I, I'm, I'm quite surprised that you feel that it wasn't an excellent performance. Just, I, I, I do I think it was a very good performance and I actually do credit a lot of our players from neutralising Palace rather than the other way around. Um, And I was hugely encouraged by the positivity shown by a lot of their uh, players. Um, Kevin, what did you think of it? Because obviously, you know, bringing our field and, and and having Boyd on those wings again, who are players you're not uh, usually a massive fan of. Do you think that it was down to our tactics or do you think it was purely down to Palace not playing well?
1: I I think I agree with you, Natalie. I think, yeah, it, Palace were were not fantastic, um, and certainly Palace's performance assisted our our victory. But I do think that our performance was the cause of of Palace's um, not being at the, at the top of their game. Um, I think you also look at. I'm just in, I'm quite interested here looking at Palace's um, the statistics for for their. Their wins, they're really impressive wins we've had. So they beat Arsenal 3-0, they beat Chelsea 2-1, and they beat Liverpool 2-1. Now, in each of those games, they had 28% possession. Um, So all those wins were very much, almost Burnley kind of wins. We do very well when we've not got the ball. Uh, And when we do have the ball, we we struggle with it. And again, Arsenal, uh, sorry, Crystal Palace had the majority of the possession uh, against us. And I think it's similar to us. When we've not got possession, we really struggle. When we thrive is when, we've, uh, when we're, we're almost being dominated and we can then break on, uh, on, on the counter-attack. And, and that's the position uh, Palace found themselves um, on the other side of that. Palace were dominating the ball and we were the ones without a lot of the ball. So that setup really suited us and probably didn't suit Palace at all. Um, so there's lots of different dynamics, I think, to the, to the match that all went in our favour. But I certainly do think I. I don't think Scott Arfield had the had the best game. Um, I thought George Boyd was was very good actually. To his credit, obviously, um, I'm I'm a vocal critic of both of those players, but I thought George Boyd. <laughs>
2: I'm getting worried about you, Kevin. <laughs> I thought
1: Scott Arfield was amazing yesterday. I th- yeah, really I, thought he I, had I think, a great game. I think the second he half. Seconded. I think his second half was was much better than th- I thought. First half, um, I thought he was very poor. I think the second half he was he was improved. Um, and it was probably yeah probably a better, second half was a better performance. But I thought in the first half there was several occasions when uh, he he was involved when the move broke down. He was he was picking up the wrong ball. He was not making the right run. He was taking woeful shots uh, which had no placement, no power, and it was almost to I think many times at first, particularly the first half hour, when he got the ball, he seemed to panic. Um, that's what I thought I think he certainly grew into the game he finished the game a lot better than he started but I think certainly for the first half hour and probably the first half I thought I thought he was very poor personally but, jo- but George probably was good so um, I suppose I can't, <laughs> I I suppose I can't give him both credit can I? <laughs> don't forget,
3: George is also a Palace fan they were having a love in on the train afterwards when I
4: was heading back oh, down really?
2: south and, oh really
4: uh, so uh, do you know, they, they do first, like him
2: first podcast and John starts bringing the conspiracy theories already I love it
4: <laughs> absolutely I think I disagree with almost everything that Kevin said about um Scott Arfield there. You're um, wrong. You're wrong. Uh I'm afraid Kevin you are wrong in this instance. Um I do agree <laughs> that he, he grew into the, the game, but I thought he was he was one of our best players yesterday. I think he's uh many people around me were saying, What's happened to what's happened to Scott Arfield? He's he's actually playing well and and it was like the Scott Arfield that we, we've seen in previous seasons where he's actually influenced the game positively and made a contribution and not been carried, um, which I think we've seen too too many times this season. Um, I, I disagree with you, Kev, there.
2: Wow, this is this is controversy already. I mean, I knew this would be a hot talking point, but I didn't think it would be this bad. John, why don't you step in as our referee and just settle this argument between Kevin and, and Adam? Scott Arfield... Poor or good? What was your I, view?
3: I thought he was good. I thought he looked exactly like he did uh. last year. There was, in many ways, because we had more of the ball and we were passing it very well, there was a lot of that buzzing around the edge of the box that we that we saw last year. And and he's a key part of that um, in some ways. you know, I think when we've been starved of the ball a little bit more in the Premiership, he's he's ended up not knowing quite what to do. But this thing of picking the ball up as it comes back out of the box, and moving it sideways or trying to open up a gap or just being part of the mix. He was in there doing all that and it really looked very familiar to me from last year, whereas he's looked a bit spare when he's been on on this season sometimes.
2: See, there you go.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's the last time I get invited. (laughs)
2: No, it's all right. Adam's going to have you on every single week from now on. Obviously, for if he's going to think that he's won, I'm sorry, <laughs> Kevin. You lost that argument. Uh, referee John ruled that Adam was right and you were wrong. Scott Orfield had a good game. I think well, the only...
5: actually, oh, actually,
2: okay. I'm,
5: I'm going to overrule everyone, and I thought Offield was, was bad. Sure. I thought Orfield was. I want to say bad, maybe harsh. I think he did what um, what Dash asked of him, which is a lot of running, uh, but particularly second half, a lot of aimless lumping of the ball. Um, which I'm I'm not a great great fan of, not not a big fan of just lumping it forward at all. Um, I think at times he had time on the ball and and he just sort of rushed to get rid of it. Um, and I thought at that point we should have been looking to to, to maybe take him off. But um, what I was going to come in and say actually after I think mean, Kev originally um, was about them having a lot of the ball and and I, I feel he's right. I felt they did have a lot of the ball and and crucially I think in the first half in particular. We had a lot of the ball when we had the ball. It was a lot of times in an our own half, and um, you know, particularly in the past, sorry, we've seen that as like a a bad sign. I think in games, but on this occasion, every time we seem to get near the box, we look dangerous, and um, it's it's rare. I, I don't think we've we've looked like that for quite a while, um, particularly when it's been you know not great up front. Um, and it was very interesting because it was almost completely different to how we played away from home previously. And I thought we must have had, a, you know, maybe a little bit more confidence than usual because just every time the, the ball got near the box, we looked like we could score. Uh, and, you know, we were lucky, I think, at times not to add to it at all.
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair point, actually. I think we have been guilty of being a little bit wasteful with chances, haven't we, this um, this season? And we actually had the ball in the, in the net three times yesterday. We forget, obviously, the disallowed goal as well. But it was a hugely positive one. I think you're never going to get a clean answer from everybody or you as to who was good and a universal acceptance of who was poor and who was good. And obviously, we've got four different opinions on, on this week's pod anyway. Um, but I think one of the main ones um, for me, and I'm going to bring Adam in on this one, Adam, Adam has been working on our Facebook page this week and he's going to give you some details in a moment of how you can um, like our Facebook page and get some more content from um, all of us pre and post games but one of the questions that Adam asked on Facebook this week was how Tarkovsky had performed in terms of covering for the injured Ben Mee and whether or not we felt that Tarkovsky was a ready-made replacement for Keane assuming he goes in the summer or whether or not we need to buy ourselves another centre-half to replace him. Um, Adam do you want to talk us through I guess what your views are to that as well and and also what some of our listeners um, commented on the, the Tarkovsky situation?
4: Yeah, I, I thought Tarkovsky was great. Um, I, th- I think it was, it was a very assured uh, performance, t- especially to say it was his uh, first Premier League start. Um, I, uh, Whenever I've seen him play, really, I've been impressed at, well, play in defence, not not in midfield, um, <laughs> as he's been shoved into midfield so, so regularly. Um, but with, with Keane likely to go, I think I'd bring in a new second choice and Tarkovsky can, can step, up, step up to be the new first first choice. I think I'm always a big believer that we should um replace our weakest player and and not the strongest one and i don't, don't think tarkovsky is anywhere near um the weakest link in our team um so i think we should improve our, our backup option um and and tarkovsky can be the first choice um i feel a bit like uh anne robinson now uh, having having talk, talked about the weakest link too much um but uh, a lot of our facebook um, page agree um Paul Holt says he absolutely agrees um, that uh, we should go for a second a second choice um, centre back and and with the the market was of um, centre backs so um, sort of inflated at the moment. You look at how much John Stones went for and and how much Keane is likely to go for. Um, it's probably a bad idea for us to get into the market for to to get a, a ready made replacement if if that makes sense. Um, Dave said that uh, he was wondering why we were even asking. This isn't even a question that he's ask- asking. It's his first, it was his first start of the season at centre-back, and one of the most dangerous forwards in the Premiership was subbed on the 70 minutes, and that said it, said it all. Daniel Bentley, friend of No Name Ever, said uh, Keane needs to replace him, but um, he expects Tarkovsky to start next season. So I guess that's a, a sort of similar view. Um, and it, but it was all positive um, to do with Tarkovsky. N- no one was negative um, about him um and and that was it was quite reassuring to see so many people agree with my opinion um if you want to get involved with our our facebook page you can go to uh facebook.com forward slash no nay never net or just search for no nay never and it's it sh- should come up on your on your mobile devices um if you like us there um we're going to be doing a lot more of this discussion sort of stuff and trying to bring you a real insight into what it's like to be at the game and um hopefully get some video on there as well so um watch your space in that regard but give us a like um and i'm sure it'll pop up in your feed when we've got stuff to share
2: excellent um yeah i think i i think i agree with, with a lot of people's comments on tarkovsky i think I think he probably will come in, um, but I absolutely agree. We do need to bring some cover in there. I think my only concern with it is whether or not Ben, me and Tarkovsky is a strong enough first choice centre-half partnership for a second season in the Premier League when we have been fan out a little bit more and there's going to be more expectations on us or, you know, Tarkovsky and Keane yesterday is a, is a stronger pairing I think than, than me and Tarkovsky, so we'll have to wait and see what happened Um, One question to all of you guesses certainly, um, anybody can jump in on this, was the only other substitution that have, have mattered was Westwood coming in for Joy. Um, He had a very quiet game in terms of his name wasn't mentioned very much and he wasn't involved in any drama but for me that was a hugely positive thing so i think he had a very sound performance where he just got the job done any particular thoughts on westwood
1: yeah i thought he was uh i thought he was fantastic um joey barton we talked about last week that he's his form had dropped off a little bit in the last few weeks And i thought that westwood stepped in um almost in, in in classic um classic joey uh form obviously he's a very he's not quite as a an aggressive player as joey maybe not um control the pace as much as joey barton did we all know that um joey was he almost if when he ticked he really set the the, the way the whole team um the whole team played west was not like that but he, he stepped in very professionally i think he was uh obviously heavily involved in the first goal he got a great ball over to to uh stephen ward in space on the left which was a huge part of that that move that was almost the 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 move and the in that the passing that move it really made it from a, a decent chance into a very big chance so that was a, a really positive contribution and I thought he, he controlled the midfield very well so he's not a player we've seen a lot of. He was brought in as backup. Um but I think he was he was brought in with the understanding that Joey Barton was uh would be unavailable at some point and if I thought he stepped in um admirably.
2: Yeah, what did you think, John? Were you impressed with his performance? Again, uh I I didn't actually,
3: see, in a way, see much of him. It wasn't one of the players who stood out, but it was a performance across yeah. the whole of the team where play, where actually everybody did well. Everybody was pinging the ball between each other, and everybody was pick was picking up the passes. So whilst it wasn't spectacular, it was dead sound, and uh, and you know and and the unit across the middle seemed to be working really really well. So so whilst it wasn't outstanding, I I I, I wouldn't criticise it at all.
2: Yeah I think I agree with that Like you say It wasn't particularly spectacular But I don't necessarily think That's a bad thing Um, For those of you who don't know Obviously Westwood had to come in this week Because the final decision was made On Joey Barton's ban For his um, FA charges For betting on football matches And Joey to I guess To the shock of all of us um, Received an 18 month suspension From not just playing football But being involved in football At any level Um, Hugely disappointing James I think we all expected him To get a lengthy ban But we were thinking along the lines of 10, 10 to 12 games. And this has effectively ended his career, hasn't it? You know, what was your reaction?
0: I, I thought it was
5: extremely harsh. Um, and, I know the FA said they felt it was the, you know, the bare minimum they could give him considering the number of uh, bets placed and, you know, the, the period of time over what it was. But to me, the, the thing you've got to remember with a lot of these is that um, a lot of these bets were placed when betting on football itself wasn't against the rules. Um, Obviously betting against your own team has been against the rules for a a really long time, I can't remember how long ago that came in Um, so obviously those 40 or so bets are absolutely inexcusable Um, even though obviously there is there the the mitigating circumstance that he actually never bet against his own team when he could influence the game Um, but you know for the, the amount of bets he placed I mean I don't know whether it was covered obviously in the, the the judgment. You don't really get as much information about the uh, hearing as you'd maybe like. So I don't know whether they they did eliminate X number of bets as being before um, betting on football wasn't allowed. Um, but it, it just seems such a harsh, harsh sentence. And, and to me, I think, you know, they say they feel it was the bare minimum. And part of it is that Barton, you know, is, is a big, big target to take down. You know, he's near the end of his career. They probably felt that, uh, maybe he wouldn't have played on beyond this season anyway, so they've just thought, you know, we'll put a big, uh, a big suspension in place, and hopefully it'll scare other people off. But you know, I think Barton actually was very good in his uh, his response on his website. You know, some of the points he made are pretty pretty close to the mark, aren't they? Really, you know, obviously he's been playing for Burnley, death a bet on our shirt. Um, I think I saw something where there's only like four or five Premier League teams who aren't sponsored by betting companies. Yeah. Um. You know, betting is now so intertwined with the game. Uh. You know, you can't watch a game on Sky Sports without having, you know, adverts in the half time saying, "Here's here's the odds for the second half."
2: Yeah, um, exactly. And do you know, and actually, you know, a very quick point on that, James. Exactly what you were saying then. For those people who were watching the game on on the television yesterday. When Burnley were doing the uh, handshake, so the t- Burnley and Palace players were walking past with the mascots and doing the handshake, BT Sports split the screen at that point and had the Burnley players and Palace players in the lineup on one side, and let us in play betting odds on the left side. It was like you can't even let us sit and watch um, a handshake for 30 seconds without making sure that we have an advert for some betting.
5: It's it's absolutely it's absolute madness. The level it's got to. Um, And, you know, I think in a way it's a bit like, um, you know, tobacco advertising was with Formula One a few years ago now where it it was just so dominant as the, you know, the one product being advertised in the sport Um, and and football's at risk of coming that way again. And these aren't even UK betting companies. These are betting companies from all over the world. Just want to get on Premier League shirts. And it's it's absolutely ridiculous.
2: Yeah, I I do agree with that. And I think it's something that certainly needs to be looked at. But I think turning back to the player himself, Kev, are you disappointed that Joy's career is kind of over now? I think there's been some suggestion through a lot of Burnley fans that his last four or five performances for Burnley haven't been particularly effective. Um, but still, it's it's a shame to see his career end this way, don't you think?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think you know we we all we all agreed last week that he's he's not been um, at his best form. It's definitely he said himself this is uh, this is career ending, uh, which is massively point. I. I expected. I, I think we all expected a big ban. I, I expected it probably be something along the lines of um, six month or six month worth of worth of matches. Having this uh, a ban of this length was, it was certainly seemed excessive. Um, you can you can see where the FA are coming from at some point, but I think I think particularly the disappointing thing I guess for me is that it's all football activity uh, because I think we all see that Joy Button's had a big impact on the pitch, but he's also seemed to have this season and last season had a big impact off the pitch as well. He's certainly a a, a very positive influence uh, among the team. is obviously a very popular figure in the in the squad, and I wouldn't I wouldn't have been surprised to see him step into a, a more uh, back back seat uh, back step into Sean Dyche's backroom staff in some in some capacity. Um, obviously now he's not allowed to do that for at least eighteen months, which is which is disappointing because I think it would have been great to see him him, him being a part uh, remaining a part of a football club and re- making sure that his influence is is still held uh, going into next season. Yeah. So who knows? Obviously, him and Sean Dyche have got a very uh, lots of respect between, him and he, he really respects Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche really respects him. So who knows what happens in 18 months' time if he does return to the club in some in some point? But it's, it's impossible to say a lot could happen in 18 months. And um, but. For us, us fans, it's very it's very easy to have those long term relationships. Where you know we all still look back at Kieran Trippier having uh, played in the in the London uh, London derby today of Arsenal and Tottenham. We all look back at Danny Ings and all these players who've gone the past. We look back at them as fans, but as players, and I'm sure you know the, the players will keep in touch with those players and that. But that relationship in terms of uh, the football club. Probably breaks down almost as soon as those players leave. So, who knows what happens? Obviously, it'd be great to see him come back, but with that with that 18-month gap, I, 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 it probably um, probably resets Joey's career, and he's got to almost start yeah, from scratch it again. Does.
2: Yeah, I don't, I'm not entirely sure as to the boundaries of his ban either, because he was obviously starting to um, carve himself quite a nice media career. I'm assuming that his ban's not going to affect that, but obviously, I think there's a there's a worry for the um, broadcasters to basically p- promoting him as a pundit or as, as as a professional when you know he's serving a ban for effectively what the FAC is cheating in the game. So it's going to be an interesting one, and I, I do feel for Joy. Really, I feel like it's been um, quite a sad end to a Burnley career. He's a controversial figure, as we know, and not everybody will share our um, sadness at the end of his career in fact a lot of fans will, will, of other clubs will probably gloat on the fact that it's uh, the demise has come like this but certainly for Burnley fans he's been exemplary for the past 18 months and, and you know he's, he's finally found a club he was settled at. and I feel I feel sad for the new joy and the the retired joy that, that his career has ended that way
5: just just on Joey the person um obviously I know he's been controversial during his career but um I've, I've had limited interactions with him I've seen him around the club and and he actually does seem like a really, really nice guy. And, you know, if you read his book, um, I think it goes some way to explaining the problems he's had and in a way the problem with the, the gambling as well. Um, so a, a really big part of me is actually he's really sad, really sad to see his career end in such a way when I know deep down I don't think he's a bad person, even though he may have been painted that way a lot in the media previously. Um, So it is really, you know, really sad to see it end this way because I don't think he's as bad a person as a lot of people think. Um, You know, I think he really is probably one of the most misunderstood people in the game.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I I do understand where people are coming from. Um, you know, he, he We think that of him over the last 18 months, but I think most people realise that Joy the person has changed quite significantly in recent years. So just wrapping up then on the Palace game, there's a couple of talking points that I think certainly Allardyce, um, as expected, was shouting and screaming about in his post-match interviews. Um, a couple of decisions he felt went um, against his side and would have uh, changed the, the pace of the game and changed the, the final score. Um, he mentioned um, a penalty that he felt um, had been committed against Zahar. I think he felt that Flanagan had, had clipped his uh, heel and taken him down. But to me, there were a couple of penalty shouts in the game. I think we also had um, a blatant push on Boyd, which sent him flying, and that was ignored as well. Um, John, either of those penalties for you?
3: I had a good view of the, um, the Boyd incident, and for me, that was a penalty. Um uh... Everybody around me seemed to think it was, but, you know, I suppose we are biased. It's, uh, it, but, yeah, you know, I, I think it was clear that the, the arms of the guy was clearly out in the direction as he went down and it just looked like a push. Um, not, you know, we tried to persuade ourselves it was shoulder to shoulder, but I don't think it was. I think that yeah, was in his back. Um, the, 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 the Flanagan incident, I just, met, I didn't see it. I was down the other end of the pitch, but I've seen it on YouTube now. I think he just about gets enough foot on the ball to count as the fact that he played the ball and not the man, but it was very, very close.
1: Yeah, I I don't think either of them are penalties myself. Um I think the boyd um there's a there's a slight there's a slight shove, but if that happens anywhere else in the pitch, um nobody bats Ireland, I don't think that's the sort of thing that happens. Um, every minute of every game, all over the pitch. So that's not a penalty. Uh, Flanagan certainly makes contact with the man, but I think he makes contact with more contact with the uh, with the ball. I think he, he does just about to touch the ball, um, and that would be. You can certainly see arguments for it. I think if it's the other way around, we're probably calling for a penalty. But um, I don't think I don't think it, there was enough contact uh, with the player, and I think there was enough contact with the ball for it to uh, for it to not be a penalty.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with both of those. I think if I was going to have to come down on one of them, I'd say that I think Boyd's was more chance of being a penalty than the Zahar one was. But really? I'm kind of I biased.
1: Think, I'd say the other way around. I think the I don't think Boyd's was, was ever a penalty. I think Zahar's was. You could def- I don't think I think if that was a penalty, it an argument anyone, for that one. I don't think any of us could complain if that was given. Uh, whereas I think if Boyd's was given, the Crystal Palace fans would have a, probably a lot to complain about.
2: Yeah yeah you're probably right I suspect I'm probably looking at that with the uh, clarin blue glasses but um, the other incident that uh, Allardyce was whinging about was the Zaha onside offside chance and and Heaton's tackle to bring him down um, obviously he felt two, po- two talking points with that he felt that like the flag should never have gone for offside in the first place um, and also it's a blatant tackle and Heaton should have gone off and there should have been a penalty and blah 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 no, there's a few things wrong with that I think um, first and foremost I think yes we, we do think that the onside was an off, sorry the offside was onside but I don't think for me Heaton makes that challenge on Zahar unless he knows that the, the whistle's already gone He'd, he clearly heard the whistle and he was, he was reacting after it so I just I think he reacts differently if if the whistle hasn't gone and then he is you know in play um Adam what was your views on that one did you think that that was uh, well firstly do you agree that it was onside and do you think Heaton makes that tackle if the whistle hasn't gone? um
4: i i thought heaton was very lucky um i don't think he should have committed to the the challenge just in case it was it, it, it was on site um i said at the time that it's a uh, it's very it's a very strange decision from Heaton, i didn't really know what he was doing there i think he just panicked um I haven't, to be honest, I haven't seen um, that incident back, um, so I can't really comment on on whether it was um, onside or offside. Um, but it, it did look offside to me uh, in in the moment at South Park. Yeah,
1: it was it was a long way offside. Onside, onside, it was a long way onside.
2: I was going to say no, it was a long. I actually genuinely paused for a minute, then Kevin. I was like, um, pretty sure it was a long way onside, or <laughs> you I think I think it, it really looked, looked and it was onside.
4: It yeah, looked sure. offside in,
2: yeah.
4: in real time, um, so I can see why the I line... Mean, it was a lot I like the Andre I... Gray goal.
5: Um, the guy who's playing him onside is nowhere near him. So it's like when you look at it, you you don't focus on the man playing him on, do you?
3: And I had the strong impression that, that Heaton knew that he'd been given. And so, you know, he seemed to be almost standing up as it... Uh, yeah, as the actual impact occurs. So I'm I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have played it like that if if he'd if he'd known that um if he'd known that the balls are still in play.
5: I, I think just a really quick point on Zaha in general as well. Um, his gamesmanship all game was just borderline disgraceful. Oh um, my awful. god! Yeah, and, yeah, and, right. to, and to me. I, th- I think the reason he doesn't get any sort of sniff of a penalty on in the Flanagan challenge, which I think was a penalty. I don't think Fanning gets the ball and he comes through the back of him. And I think he's been a you know, a bit lucky there. Uh but Zahar just absolutely throws himself on the floor. And, you know, the referee's not got the best angle for, for seeing the actual challenge, uh, you know, football, back of the back of the heel, anything like that. But what he does see is Zahar's reaction, which looks a lot like you know, I'm throwing myself on the floor he looked like he'd been shot, and and you know, if you play like that old game, and it's similar to Rooney the other week at the turf, you, you're just eventually going to not get yourself any decisions because referees just know that you're looking for it all the time, and you know, I really think someone probably needs to take him to one side, sit down with him, just say, you know, not everything's going to go your way in football, and, and at times you just need to take decisions like a man, and you know, just accept them for what they are, because. You know he was I think he was lucky to not pick up two cards for, for descent and um you know a, a yeah, guy with his right. talent a guy with his talent shouldn't be playing the
1: game that way it, that know just...
2: you're right he doesn't need to yeah you're yeah. absolutely right I
1: completely agree I agree james i thought I, I really expected him to get sent off he was looking absolutely raging uh, at some, certain points about second half um yeah absolutely i thought i I really thought he could have got sent off Natalie, we're gonna we're gonna go to tweet in a week in a minute I think you've got You've probably had a hard, hard choice this week. because so I logged onto Twitter after the match, and I genuinely—I've um, got auto updates uh, on my Twitter app, so it, it updates like every second or so. And I genuinely couldn't read the tweets because there were so many tweets coming in. Um, people celebrating was unexpected, unexpected when people had things to be excited about. Uh, it was a, a monumental occasion. So Natalie, I'm guessing you've been. Spend it, you spent all your time the last 24 hours or so trolling through tweets. So, yeah, Natalie, it's Tweet of the Week time. Tweet of the Week, 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 tweet of the Week. Of the week.
2: Indeed, my goodness. Last week, I was shouting at all of our listeners to pull themselves together and help me choose a tweet of the week because of all the negativity surrounding the loss and and relegation threatened. This week was equally as difficult for the other reason. It was absolutely, honestly, it was a joy to read. It really, really was. Um, Well done, all of you. There was some fantastic content out there on social media, and I think everybody was either happy or a little bit drunk or maybe a combination of both. So it was very, very nice to read. Um, In the end, I settled on a tweet from Jason Taylor, who summed it up quite nicely by saying to us all, After taking some time to let tonight's victory sink in, I now believe that Santa Claus and away wins really do exist. That is quite right, Jason, that won at this week's Tweet of the Week. And I think that leads us quite nicely on to um, obviously next week's game, Burnley at home to West Brom. Um, But before we actually go on to think about the game after next week, after next week's game is the live event that we have been um, sending out on on social media recently. Kevin, can you tell us it's a week to go. Tell us all about what's happening after the West Brom game.
1: Yes, it's a week to go, and lucky, lucky, lucky listeners. This is the last time we're going to bug you about it, <laughs> um, because yes, next week, um, in in less than a week now, we've got less than seven days. It's our live podcast at Turf Moor. Um, immediately after, well, just after the the West Brom game, when hopefully we'll be a celebrating uh, mathematical survival. Um, it'd be very surprising if we're not doing that. So uh, we're still tickets have been going really, really well this week. Um, a lot of tickets shifted after. After the um, after that victory at Crystal Palace, obviously fans getting very excited. Um, so yeah, we've still got uh, t- t- tickets available and seats available. So please come along. Got free tickets. Um, tickets are free. We're in one of the suites in the one of the, uh, the suites in, within the Jim G- G- McElroy stand. I saw someone um, messaging me last week asking if we are actually in the Jim G- McElroy stand or if we're in the car park outside it. Uh, so I can officially confirm we are not in the car park. We are in inside, uh, comfortable seats, Yay! overlooking turf Um <laughs> I went down uh, to the venue a couple of weeks ago and had a look, and we've got amazing views um, out of the turf. Um, so you can imagine um, around you know six o'clock, seven o'clock um after the match it's going to be a really gorgeous view out there probably a bit of a sunset in the distance maybe a couple of players warming down on the pitch so uh, we've got lots of interactive elements for you to come along so you actually have free tickets uh, the link is in the show notes or you can um see it on social media facebook twitter um do whatever you can send us a message if you've got any questions but yeah please you've got this is your last chance to bug you to get tickets so please come along we can't wait to see you
2: goodness how do I follow that thanks Kev indeed do try and come along if you can listeners it's going to be an absolutely fantastic event and we're all going to be there um, so you'll have a chance to meet us all in the flesh and and either shout at us for things you don't agree with or tell us how much you love the podcast but it's your chance uh, like Kevin said to sit down and, and watch how we um produce the podcast and how it all goes behind the scenes something that John's obviously doing this evening um, and he'll be able to verify uh, the, the, the chaos that goes on behind the scenes and, oh, it's, extreme,
1: and what it
2: takes and it's extremely
3: profound national. I would, lo- I would love to be Thanks, there. John. I will be watching Crystal Palace again. Oh, really? Rather okay. strangely, <laughs> I, I'm going to be at Man City for business reasons.
2: Oh, OK. Well, at least it won't be as stressful as yesterday as was. No. Um, I think looking looking forward then to the West Brom game, because obviously before we do the live event, we do have actually a game to, to look at and, and, and debate. Um, James, it's no longer a must-win game, is it, anymore? I think we were getting worried that, that West Brom was, was looking out at being one that we, we just we had to win and nothing else other than three points would be um acceptable so i don't, I don't think it's no longer a, i don't think it's any longer a must win game but i think it still would be nice to to get over that 40 point mark and, and actually just to cement another victory at turf more
5: uh, yeah I, I, to be honest i don't even think yet before yesterday it was must win i think it was definitely a you know a, a must not lose um but, but I felt even before our game that it was a big ask for Swansea to catch us. Uh, and obviously now it's an even bigger ask having, you know, with us having got three points on the road and, and them only managing a point at Man United. But, um, I think, you know, the, looking at the games coming up, you know, previously we've talked about maybe experimenting, but I think that the absolute best way to go is we, we want to see what we can do maximum points. Um, so I, I think, you know, we'll hopefully have a good go at Saturday. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we change things a little bit. It seems to be the way now that, you know, Greg maybe plays at home, and and I hope he does because, you know, the confidence the team have got, we we could, I think, score more than we've been scoring for a little while now because, you know, the confidence off off the back of an away win is going to be huge, you know, and um, and I think we've got every chance of, you know, looking at the games we've got left, we could easily take maximum points out of these games, I think, and and that's what we should be looking to do.
3: I think I think the psychology of a relaxed team is going to be very important. I thought it was very interesting when they came over at the end. There, in some ways, the whole of the celebration was slightly muted. Like it was just sort of thank God that's over and the monkeys off the back.
4: Yeah. Oh yeah, it was just yeah, such I can a imagine. big.
3: And actually, I went home and actually two two pints and a curry, and that was me finished for the day.
2: And, it, <laughs> and then, now, if that's
3: just me. It looked like the whole team was going to go home, have their two pints and a curry, and that was it. They probably celebrated a bit more. Yeah, but, but I, yeah, I. It think must have been a huge relief. I think, they're free, I think they're free mentally now, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens.
2: Kevin, what do you do if you're Deitch against West Brom? Do you change the squad around? Do you stick with that team again? What tactics do you go with, or do you just literally just relax now and go for it?
1: Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Brady come in for, for our field. Um, purely I think our field started because it was an away game. I think Sean Deitch is... I think we said this... Um, the last time Brady was dropped from away again I think he did come back in at the turf I think Brady Dyche is a lot more comfortable to play Brady at the turf but I don't think he's quite got the confidence in his defensive side yet to play him away from home so I would expect Brady to come back into the side Um, it's going to be tough at the back because Tarkovsky will almost certainly drop back to the bench uh, because Sean Dyche isn't one to let somebody lose their their place in the team Uh, because of an injury, certainly not someone like Ben Mee who's had a very good season. So it's going to be very tough on Tarkovsky after coming in and playing so well to to go back to the bench. But hopefully he'll have some confidence and and belief in his his very good performance against Palace and he'll be back in the team uh, next season, hopefully. Um, Other than that, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Brady and Tarkovsky being the the only changes to the side I think we we probably I think it's it playing a very good way I would love to see Andre Gray um, Andrea Gray come in and, and, and play I think Andre is massively 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 underrated there's so many fans on Twitter who are saying we can't wait to get rid of him and I think it's absurd because he's yeah,
2: I'll um, never understand this
1: it's um, it's it's absurd I think he's, he's not shown as big as he as, as well as he could have done I think that's purely the way we set up but even so He scores, is it eight goals? He scores something like that. He scored a massive number of goals considering the way that we've played has not suited him at all. Every week on the podcast, we've been saying, um, we've been, crying out for us to play those balls through the middle and not play him out wide so or not play them long to him so despite playing in a system that hasn't suited him he's done really really well in terms of that goal return I think and he can only get better he's got to still remember he's still only young a couple of years ago he was playing in lower league football so um, I would love to see Andre Gray come in hopefully he'll play a bit more bigger role next season but I expect um Barnes and Gray to continue up front um and the rest of the team rest of the team stays pretty much as it is but yeah i think you you you're all right we probably will be a little bit more relaxed probably have a bit more confidence purely that that um that away win is going to be a massive boost throughout the whole squad so we'll be yeah, I think maybe right. a bit we'll, we'll be confident we'll be pretty much the same team we'll be confident and we'll be relaxed and i'd expect us to go on and get um get a win
2: i oh, think that it
1: meant
3: to that that Andre Gray goal was the most Andre Gray goal that Andre Gray has scored. Oh, it was so good! All see, like, he he actually banged a whole bunch of them in last year. You know, the, the one against Bolton where he just puts his yeah, body in a line behind the ball, and it's just like a rifle. And it was he hasn't scored one like that this season, and and it was a thing of beauty.
2: Yeah, you're right. It certainly was It certainly would be a very very um, dangerous attacking play if we managed to do that more times than we do at this stage of the season. Um. So I guess there's just one thing that we need to talk about in the West Brom game. And Kevin, put us out of our misery. It's it's Predictions League time. Predictions, predictions, it's the Prediction League.
1: Yes, um, and it's another another breaking of form this week. um, In that James, for the first time since the Leicester match, has scored points. His relentless predicting of victories has finally, finally paid off. Um, so, congratulations to James. He's the only one of us to uh, to score points this week. Um, Natalie's reverse psychology didn't pay off. Oh, it did pay off. So, yeah, Natalie's, it paid off the team. So, Natalie has taken one for exactly, the team.
2: Exactly. That's so. the whole
1: point of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I've, Props to Natalie. I'd say half of the credit for the win goes to Sean Dyson, and the other half goes to Natalie. So thank you very much, Natalie, uh, for predicting a 3-0 well. defeat. <laughs> Jamie uh, Jamie went for a 2-0 defeat and I went for a 0-0 a, a draw. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Because if we had drawn 0-0, I would be sitting here now as champion of the Predictions League uh, for this oh, season.
2: Oh. <laughs> it's only Alas, a
1: matter it of it didn't happen. But... <laughs> Now we're getting to the stage of the season where we can start talking about permutations. Now, next week, if Jamie gets the correct score and I don't get the correct score, then we are continuing to the week afterwards. If anything else happens, then I am crowned victor of the predictions league league on the um, our live podcast next week. So, oh no,
2: you don't. Oh no, I'm oh, that's expecting, going
1: to be impossible. So we need. If, in order for that not to happen Jamie needs to get the correct score um, now um, and for me not to now Jamie is not on the podcast this week so he's going to be recording his podcast his, his prediction afterwards so unfortunately I was going to go for the tactic of just copying what Jamie says which would guarantee me a win um, but he's not on so that's not going to happen so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that but if I do win um, I'll be expecting a guard of honour uh, from all the guests at the live podcast so everyone get prepared for that um, I, our... I
2: might ban you from the event <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got to say in preparation um, on our on the, the fancy spreadsheet I put together for the predictions league I've put in a bit of um, conditional formatting so that um, when, the, when the prediction goes in there and I, when I finally crowd victory and my name will light up in gold uh, which I'm very excited to see happen so I don't might be getting a bit cocky here but I'm expecting this time next week to be the champion of the known and never predictions league so this is very 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 exciting
4: Kevin, did you I just say I might be getting, getting a bit cocky here? I think you got cocky about you, you, you weeks ago. You
2: might be. Yeah, no, literally, he got cocky about four weeks into the bloody feature.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so quickly,
1: just to run through the table, I'm, I'm top with 22 points. Jamie is second with 14, the only person who can now catch me. Uh, James has got 10 points. He's a fall from grace for him, who was second for almost the entire campaign. And Natalie still bottom with six points possible for um, for her to win the Mata- win Mata- uh, title sorry not win the title <laughs> uh, it's okay. still possible for I don't her.
2: think that's possible
1: Kevin. <laughs> it's still possible for Natalie to not come bottom but if, the if, uh, results, the if, results, if results go uh, certain ways next week I think she can be crowned, be guaranteed to be bottom of the league next week um, so it could be a, a celebration oh for me and a forfeit for Natalie that's going to be
2: horrendous <laughs> the live pod as well OK, well, let's get this over and done with. I mean, I don't know what, what to do now. Uh, I'd really, I'm going to have to give it some thought while you all give your predictions as to how I'm going to play this, just to not come bottom. Um, John, obviously, you've not been part of our um, predictions league, but uh, do you want to kick us off with what your prediction is going to be for the home game against West Brom?
3: I, I think I'm feeling very good about this. Um,
2: good.
3: Um, the, there's the relaxed theory, the fact that the team is, uh, is going to have yeah, be in a great frame of mind there's the fact that um, all of Pulis' side stop scoring points once they're safe. So actually, West Brom are not going to be West Brom as they were earlier in the season. And and the podcast from earlier in the year when we played them away is still etched on my ears. I was a, I was in a lonely hotel room in Edinburgh on my own listening to that, and it wasn't a good oh, experience. It wasn't a good experience. Uh, and
2: no, just, I, I'm sure I it this, wasn't. I'm ever worried a bit about, about a, you. Yeah, Before,
1: of... I've got I've got to say that was probably my favourite podcast to to record this season. It was just a complete mess, and I think we just oh. sort of piss out, piss out of the team a little bit so yeah, I'm sorry did. you didn't enjoy I'm sorry you didn't oh, enjoy no, listening mean, to it but we, enc- <laughs> we enjoyed recording it, it was, uh... Look,
3: all great, arts, all great art is sometimes difficult to deal with and I have to say that was up there with great art um, so all those things point to the fact that actually we need to get um gory revenge against West Brom and we're in the mood for it so um, and also given the fact that I'm not in the league and this, so therefore my points don't count I'm going to go for a 3-0 win which is completely ridiculous But that's what I'm
2: going to go for. Excellent. No, I like it. Positivity. This is great. Um, Adam, your prediction?
4: I am also not in the Predictions League, so this doesn't matter. But um, I think 3 1 to us, to to Burnley. I'm very confident. Excellent.
2: So moving on to the four key players who are in the Predictions League and everything's fighting for them. Birdie, do you want to go first? What's your prediction?
5: Well, obviously, I'm going to predict that uh, we win, uh, because we will. Um, but how many will we win by? I think it, I think it'll be a really confident performance after this week. So um, I'm going to go for 4-0. Andre <laughs> oh, hattrick a hat-trick as well.
2: Fate. Oh, it's back. Yes. I was literally just Three. about to ask you, Birdie, whether it was going to come back. Well done. I love it. Get it on, people. Andre, grey hat trick and a 4 0 win from Birdie. Um, obviously, he's not here this week. He's um, absent, hence why I'm hosting. But Jamie Smith, do you want to give us your prediction?
3: Hi, everyone. It's Jamie. Great win at Palace.
1: Didn't see that one coming in my prediction last week. I believe I have to get this right so I have any chance of catching Kevin. I do think we will beat West Brom. I'm going to go for Burnley 2. West Brom nil, and hopefully we'll see some of you at our live pod after
2: the game. Plug, plug. Okay, I'm going to come in next, and... Oh, my God. I really don't know what to do. Obviously, my reverse psychology has got us to safety and has got us the points that we needed to survive this season, but at the expense of my performance in the Predictions League. Now, I kind of feel like I don't need to do this anymore because I think we're safe, but I also don't want us to get heavily beat Uh, okay I am I'm going to stick with it just because I want Burnley to finish the season emphatically and I want us to get over that 40 point mark psychologically I want us to finish as high up the table as we possibly can so I'm going to sacrifice my own performance and I'm going to say I've got a really bad feeling about this I think that Burnley might suffer a hangover from the brilliant away win at Palace and West Brom might get a little bit of a roasting after their uh, bad performances since they've been uh, pretty much safe and nothing to play for, um, and I think they'll take it out on us. And I think Berlin will lose two nil. And you're welcome. <laughs> Finally, Kevin, what's your prediction? Well,
1: I think uh, first of all, Mike, I think you've just bottled that. I think you're. Uh, I think you've continued the reverse psychology purely so that you've got an excuse when you finish bottom. But my, uh, oh. 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 My, <laughs> Kevin, um, my prediction is we'll be confident, um, we'll be at home, We've got, we're have going to have a celebratory um, atmosphere in the crowd, celebrating our safety, and we're going to win 2-0.
2: Excellent. Well, that um, obviously what rounds up the West Brom game. Um, I think just finishing off this week's podcast, we've got a couple of things to do outside of, of Turf Moor. Um, and certainly this weekend was quite a key weekend in the championship and at the glee of most of our followers and our uh, fan base, uh, the relegation battle at the bottom of the championship. And I think a young James Bird has an update for us in this week's Kitely Corner.
5: Indeed. Um <laughs>
2: Sorry. Oh, wait. no, 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 no. You're not having...
5: Well, I, just know how much, I just know how much you love County Corner, so I thought I'd slip it in. Yeah. Um, can, not to difficult that too out. County <laughs> did start, though, and in a nice little slot into Marvin's mention, it was County and Marvin Sodell up front. The absolute scenes. Could you imagine if we'd seen that at the turf? would have been fantastic. Uh, in the end, though, County made way for, for the goal scorer, Varney, who uh, made sure that Burton continued their excellent run and uh, they got a 1-1 draw. They've been absolutely fantastic since Carter's gone and clearly the catalyst for their success.
2: Excellent. So what do we think? Do we think that, I mean, obviously I think the championship table is looking like it's going to be Birmingham, Forest or Blackburn. I think Blackburn are still at the bottom, aren't they? They're still in the relegation zone. But I think, weirdly, they can still lose um, and still st- manage to stay up. I think if they lose by, say, only one and, and Forest have quite a heavy... Uh, defeat them, they can probably go down and, and and black and stay up, but either way it's going to be uh it's a it's a weird permutation isn't there
1: yeah there's one goal in it which is um it's very exciting um as someone watching. i i wouldn't like to be involved in that um, but it, it's very exciting for other, other other fans watching on.
2: Yeah, it definitely is. Um, James, just before we do do wrap up, um, I do want to give you a quick chance to once again um, let our listeners know about the the cycle ride you're doing to Bournemouth game. Obviously for um, Barry Kilby's charity. Do you want to just remind our listeners what you will be doing after the West Brom game?
5: Absolutely. So um, <laughs> a week on Wednesday, myself and um, twenty. Two or twenty-three others, something like that, in that in that region. Uh, we'll be setting off on the turf um, to Bournemouth in time for the game on Saturday. Uh, so we're doing it over three days. It's, it's roughly 80, 90 miles a day. So uh, first off, off in Stafford, then uh, down to Sirencester and then um, obviously ultimately Bournemouth. It's a nice downhill run into Bournemouth, though. So uh, I'll be looking for the town sand sprint for myself, um, and then obviously I'll be at the game on, on the on the Saturday. So. Um, I am raising money, it's for a great cause Barry Kilby's Prostate Cancer Appeal Um, obviously everyone knows about Uh, Barry's battle with with cancer and obviously he ultimately stepped down as chairman as a result, Um, but he's been putting on these screening events, some people may have been to them uh, previously at the Turf, there's been two at the Turf and one at Deepdale and all this money will go to helping uh, Barry put more of the events on. The way to sponsor me, if you feel so inclined and obviously any little helps, there's there's no minimum to to what you can donate every pound is much appreciated Um, it's justgiving.com forward slash
1: fundraising forward slash James hyphen bird hyphen 23 and that'll be in the show notes just uh, this afternoon i went to watch the uh a, a, a part of the tour de yorkshire um i know you guys aren't, aren't particularly racing but it's still an, an epic bike ride and i was in awe at the um the effort those cyclists putting in so i re- appreciate how much how big an effort it's going to be, be for you guys james so yeah please if you can support james please do and um i will be doing
2: yeah absolutely we all will be and obviously it goes without saying that we wish you all the best of luck and to you and your fellow cyclist birdie i think that wraps up this week's podcast thank you all again for listening um a few housekeeping matters don't forget as we mentioned earlier to secure your tickets to the live event next week we have just got one week to go so if you do want to join us after the west brom game at turf Moor next week then you do need to to follow the link and get yourself some tickets um, contact details as usual. You can contact us for any comments, suggestions, or any feedback that you want to give us. Our Twitter handle is at NoNayNeverNet. You can also email us through our website, which is also NeverNet. And now, as Adam mentioned earlier, you can also like our Facebook page, which is just another avenue to get in touch with us. Thanks again to Adam, James and Kevin for joining me and a special thanks to John for coming with us today, not just for joining us on the podcast, but also your support through the Kickstarter. And um, We've really enjoyed having you, John, and it's been a real pleasure to have you here.
3: Lots of fun. Thank you
2: you're welcome um thanks again to rick who provides our artwork and to adam who's going to be editing this week Um, one final point don't forget if you do need some support or you just want further information to check out the claret and brew website at www.claretandbrew.org that's been everything from us final point thank you all for listening i've been natalie bromley this has been the known and ever podcast
1: We all we um, we often get emails complaining that um, we all agree too much, and I think we we all. We're, I don't think we agreed we're almost...
2: on one point. <laughs>
1: no.
2: Facey me. Oh no no! Don't put that down, no, <laughs> Kevin. I don't! I've just realised what you swines have just done to me, and I absolutely hate you. You are stinky horrible boys, and I hate playing with you all. You're horrible.
1: SharePoint is really bad. What is going on? Um, how do I? I can, I can whisper. I can whisper if you want me to. I will whisper.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app at participating restaurants. 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.